Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is so good to see everyone here. Welcome to the campus, those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream. We're so glad you've chosen to make this service a part of your evening. Why don't you look at somebody sitting nearby and tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord. Glad to see them at Bible study. We're going to have a great time tonight. I've come with expectation, uh, and I know you have too. We're, we're always uh, rewarded when we come into the presence of God with expectation. Amen. Let me just tell you about a couple of things. Uh, don't forget your Mission Louisiana pledge. We mentioned this Sunday. Um, we want to be faithful to that. And uh, there is a tab set up on Easy Tithe for you to pay your Mission Louisiana pledge. And then as we announced Sunday also, mark your calendar for January the 21st. That's not this Sunday, but next. Brother Steve Cannon is going to be ministering in the 11 o'clock service. And uh, if you remember, he preached uh, for our ch at our church uh, last January and uh, really blessed our church, really uh, was a mighty, mighty move of God, and he's coming back, and we're looking forward to that. He's the director of children's ministry for the United Pentecostal Church International, and uh, just a wonderful man, wonderful ministry, make plans to be here. And then the, that Sunday next after that on July, or I'm sorry, on January 28th, Brother A.J. Holloway will be with us, and uh, he has become... Uh, just one of our go-to evangelists, I guess, if I could say it that way. I, I, he's, he's blessed our church many times, and we love having him come in the month of January in ministering, and uh, he'll be doing that on the 28th. So, again, a very important service. Come and bring a friend. Amen. If you got it, say, I got it. Awesome. Amen. Well, stand with me uh, just before Pastor comes for Bible study. Uh, we do want to take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to ask you to remember Sister Nancy Tear and her family in prayer tonight. Sister Nancy's mother passed away this week, and uh, we want to uh, pray God would strengthen her, strengthen her family, uh, and be with them even in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. Amen. If you have a need here tonight, would you just make it known by the lifting of your hand? I believe there's strength in the house tonight. I believe there's miracles in the house tonight. I believe God can do anything, and he sees those needs. Let's pray tonight, church, to this end. Jesus, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise, God. You're, you're wonderful, Jesus. Your presence is everything to us, God. Thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight in your house. And so, Lord, tonight we pray for Sister Nancy Tear and her family. Let them feel your presence. Let them feel the comfort of your spirit. Lord, even in this time, Lord, that they are facing and walking through, let, Lord, let your spirit be the comforter that they need. Pray for every need that is represented here tonight, every hand that was raised, God, that you would move. You know every situation, Lord, and your hand is not short that it cannot reach. Your ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. And I pray that you would work to the uttermost. And I pray, God, you would anoint us tonight in Bible study. Anoint our hearts to receive, our ears to hear. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands to Jesus in praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Remain standing. Pastor's coming right now to the pulpit for Bible study. God bless you, Grace Church. Thank you, Brother Dave. Glad to see everybody here. Tonight, look at your neighbor and give him a nice, soft, easy fist bump and uh, tell him again, I'm glad to see you. Y'all turn around and give somebody a fist bump. You got people just standing there with your hands clapped. <clears throat> Amen. Not doing mannequin practice here tonight. <clears throat> Thank you.
thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Great to see all of you tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And um, uh, always enjoy seeing Grace Church, whether it be on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. Um, and speaking of Sunday morning, what a wonderful, wonderful time we had here this past Sunday. I was just so excited, and, and I'm still uh, just just still excited about the service Sunday. Uh, great time, and uh, real excited about the adult Sunday school class. You folks far exceeded my expectation. Forgive me for being, oh, ye of little faith, I guess. Uh, but we were so thankful uh, for all of you that showed up Sunday morning and at the A Center uh, for our Bible study and presentation. I've heard a lot of wonderful, wonderful comments about it. And uh, I thank all of you that um, have shared that with me. It's been very inspirational to me and encouraged me to let's carry on. And um, uh, looking forward to this coming Sunday and uh, looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. And uh, we're going to have a great, great time uh, this coming Sunday in uh, our adult class in the Alexander Center. And I might have a little announcement to make to our adult class Sunday morning. You'll want to uh, maybe remember that. We might have a, a little surprise coming down the pike. I'll, if you want to know what it is, you'll have to be here Sunday morning to, to hear it. I'm not going to tell you now. I would be very overjoyed to know that you're going to stew over that between now and next Sunday, wondering what is it that he's going to say. You're, you're not going to figure it out. Uh, it's top secret, and um, we'll, uh, you'll just have to be patient and, and learn how to deal with these kind of situations. So show up Sunday morning. We'll have some coffee and hopefully some warm donuts. Um, thank you, Brother Jason and Sister Brandy, for taking care of that. And uh, we'll have a great time Sunday. Thank the Lord. Looking forward to seeing all of you. And then our 11 o'clock service. Uh, come out with bells and whistles. God has laid something on my heart for Sunday. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be preaching that to you. And uh, we'll have a great time in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. <clears throat> Let me jump back into our Bible study, our presentation that we started last Wednesday night. I've had to chuckle two or three times uh, since last Wednesday night, Owen Cooper was running the, uh, I call it PowerPoint slides, the screen, um, my notes and whatnot. He walked up after church chuckling, said, Pastor, you only covered two paragraphs. And I said, you're right. That's about as far as I got. So we'll try to get a, do a little better tonight. But with this material, I'm not in a hurry. Talked to you last Wednesday night about the pursuit of vision and uh, we want to continue that. And just to give you a quick review, um, uh, we talked about in the, the story found in 2 Kings chapter 6 when the uh, Syrian army wanted to attack Israel. And uh, God would reveal to Elisha all of their plans and they would be prepared every time the, the, the Israeli uh, army would be prepared every time the Syrians would want to attack. And the king realized that somebody had to be revealing to the, um, to the Israelites what they were doing and thought there was a spy, what have you. And one of his people told him, there's a prophet that God speaks to 
that reveals those plans. And he finally decided, well, we'll go get that, that prophet and, and eliminate him. And when the Syrian army surrounded Elisha and his servant, his servant walked out, saw the, um, uh, the Syrian army. He, of course, panicked, ran back in the tent and told Elisha. Elisha walked out there, just bowed his head and said, Lord, let him see what I see. Show him what I see. And the Lord did. Opened his eyes and he saw the heavenly host, chariots, angels, what have you, encompassed them and concluded that there be more for us than there are with them. And uh, God gave them that tremendous, tremendous victory. Our Bible study is based on that story. Uh, I preached about it this past Sunday. Do you see what I see? And uh, I see Grace Church. We're on a launching pad. I, I, I just I feel it in my heart tonight. Uh, we're primed for God to do amazing things. I believe you want to be a part of it. And uh, I'm excited about it. But the vehicle that carries that, that brings that to fruition, is vision. I told several people over the past week, uh, uh, even a couple of ministers, pastors, that we're not a Sunday-to-Sunday church. We just don't show up on Sunday and see what happens and go to the next Sunday and see what happens. We believe in being visionary, and uh, we believe in culture, what have you, and um, it's, it's, it works. I believe you have to have vision. Bible said where there is no vision the people perish so I want to begin tonight I'll review again the two paragraphs that I covered last Wednesday night having a clear mental image but let me give to you our vision the vision statement that I'm building this material on this is what I believe is it's the most sufficient precise definition of vision in my opinion and this can be a church vision it can be individual vision it can be for family it's not just based on church and if, if you could become a visionary it would help you in your your personal life your individual life it would help you as a family it would certainly help as a church it can help you on your job and so on but here's the statement vision is a clear mental image it's a clear mental image of a preferable future a future that you prefer to have it's a future that you're choosing to have it's preferable it's a preferable future imparted by God given to you by God to his chosen servants and is based upon an accurate understanding an accurate understanding of God yourself and your circumstances That's the statement that I'm making very loud and clear. If anybody would care to get out your phone and take a picture of that screen, you're welcome to do that before uh, Peyton takes it down. Uh, it might be a good screensaver thing to put on your phone, what have you, and, um, and read that periodically. Read it often. And you start, you start planning, with the help of God, a preferable future primarily in God's kingdom. So last Wednesday night, I took the first part of this. Vision is a clear mental image. Simply saying to you last Wednesday night that vision is a picture held in your mind's eye of the way things could or should be in the days ahead. Vision implies 
meaning. It implies a visual reality. It implies a portrait of conditions that do not currently exist. This, is, this picture is internalized. It's personal. It is not somebody else's view of the future for you, but it is one that is uniquely yours. It uniquely belongs to you. So eventually, we who have vision will have to paint that mental portrait for others to help others along, mentor others in developing vision for their life if we wish to see this materialize in Grace Church. Uh, we do have people here at Grace Church that kind of live from Sunday to Sunday. Whatever happens, you just take it as it comes. I don't like living like that. I like for, to know God's in charge of my life. And in spite of whatever my circumstances can be, it's not going to take away my vision. I want everyone to hear, Pastor, tonight is all that we went through with COVID did not take away my vision. Of all the people that we lost, all the negative circumstances, that did not take away my vision for this church. I still believe that God wants to do, has a work to do here. And we want to be a part of it. I remember the sermon I preached uh, months ago. I just called it this bunch. Uh, somebody reminded me of that recently. Uh, that God wants to take this group of people here tonight. Wonderful crowd here tonight. Amazing crowd here tonight. God wants to take this group of people and do some amazing things with you. With your life, etc. So you have to have a clear mental image of what you would like for your future in the kingdom of God to look like. And it's not as hard as you might think. I said this last Wednesday night, and I don't want to reteach this. I did it last Wednesday night. But if you, if you have a spouse that's not serving God, if you have parents that's not serving God, if you have children that's not serving God, whatever it is, get a clear mental image of them sitting beside you right now. If you don't see that, if you can't see that, it's going to be hard to stay motivated to keep them on your prayer list, to keep them close to your heart. I don't want to cave in and just give up and say that our family members are never coming to God. There's no point in even trying. I don't want to get to that point. I don't want to give up. Circumstances in people's lives are always changing. There's folks here tonight that really need to hear this, and I don't know that you're really focused with me right now. I, I wish you would. Let me move on. The second part of this vision is vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future. To make this statement and to mean it, to take it into your heart and your mind and start developing this, it incorporates change, and change is so complicated, change is so difficult for any of us, for virtually all of us to make. We become comfortable to our greatest extent in whatever life we live. We take the hardships, we take the negative circumstances, we take the battles we fight and all that, and we learn to become comfortable with that, not understanding that just a simple change of our attitude, just a simple change in our posture, a simple revision 
and the way we look at things can change not our circumstances, but how we look at them, how we look at our future, and so on. Vision is a clear mental image of a preferable future. Is anybody here just buck wild, slap happy about your life right now, about your marriage, about your kids, about your spouse, your parents, whatever? Is anybody just, it cannot be improved on in any way. I don't believe there's anybody here that could say that. Well, if it can be improved upon, then what steps could you make to contribute to that improvement, to make it better? Could you change your strategy? Could you change your tactic? Could you change the way you think about having your spouse in church with you this coming Sunday? To have your kids in church with you this coming Sunday, whoever it may be. Maybe your presentation to them about coming to church isn't as healthy as it could be. Think about that. Pray about that. Ask God to help you with that. To say, this is a desire of my heart. Teach me, God, a way to have you bring that to pass through me. That's a preferable future. Somebody said one time, and I may not get the statement right, but you'll understand it. If you keep repeating the same things, you're going to keep getting the same thing. So preferable future incorporates change. Vision is a clear mental image of of, of a preferable future. In suggesting that vision deals with that which is preferable, we are insinuating that vision entails change. Vision is never about maintaining the status quo. Vision is about stretching reality to extend beyond the existing state. Thus, vision is required even when the church is in a good position. Vision is still required. Vision is not just for churches that are struggling with their present state. So to create a better situation, you can either rely upon random circumstance and hope that the result is better than what existed, or as having vision will dictate, you can assert control over your environment based on God's empowerment, based on God's direction, and make a better future. This may sound like a bunch of words to to you folks, but it, it speaks hard to me and especially since God blessed us with this campus now going on uh, 14 years ago. Um, I just can't do the status quo. I just can't keep repeating the same thing over and over. Something's got to give. Something's got to grow. Something's got to get better. There's got to be improvement somewhere along the line. And if all of us could get a hold of that and just start draw a little circle around yourself and say, I'm going to start my vision right here. I'm going to be the best that I can be. And then I'm going to do everything in my power to make my, my marriage the best it can be, make my kids the best they can be, and so on and so on and so on. Pretty soon, you start living in that preferable future. You start becoming existent in that. You start living in that state because people around you will arbitrarily get better because of your vision. And if you live it long enough, you'll have them start seeing a preferable future in their life and your circumstance get better and better. Trust me. Boo and Melanie can tell you, James and Sarah can tell you, this church is not what it was like 20 years ago. It's nothing like it was 20 years ago. What what made that happen? 
lot of hard work, a lot of determination, but a lot of consistency, a lot of faithfulness, and pouring leadership here, pouring itself into what it believes is a preferable future for the people of God. And God has done an amazing, amazing work in this church. And the only reason, in my opinion, he's been able to do it is because there's a bunch of people here that's willing to let him. Everybody say amen. <clears throat> Y'all on board with me? Do you have a future that you would prefer? Would you, would you like to wake up to a better tomorrow than you did today? That you lived yesterday? Well, take, go to God in prayer. Whatever he gives you to do, do it. Could spend a long time on this point. Um, let me move on. I, I hope you get the point. Uh, vision is about pursuing. It's about pursuing. It's the pursuit of something you desire, something you want. There's, there's business people here tonight that own businesses, that run businesses. Your business was, will never grow. It, it, it won't even maintain without some degree of vision and planning. At some point when you finish a job you're working on now, you have to go get another one, right? Does that make sense to anybody? The overwhelming response to that making sense to everybody was overwhelming. Uh, but if you want your, to take care of your employees and to feed your own family and what have you, you've got to work at it. The same is true with vision. The third part of this, of, of this vision statement, it's a, a vision is a clear mental image of a, prefer, of a, a preferable future imparted by God. When something is given to you by God, it requires focus. Everybody say focus. It's a future focus. So if vision, if a preferable future incorporates change, then a future Focus requires you to think ahead. I remember years ago when I started drafting, my boss was kind of standing over my shoulder, and if this was the, the big 24-inch by 36-inch drawing I was working on, I wrote something, and I ran out of room. It, it started going off the edge, and my boss stopped me, and I'll never forget it. He started way up here at the corner above what I wrote. And he said, he wrote, think ahead, stupid. And the word stupid went down. It was up and down. Think ahead, stupid. Y'all follow me? Think ahead, stupid. Well, there's a overwhelming amount of wisdom in that statement. You have to think ahead. You have to plan. Um, I threw out... Uh, some statement. I believe it was last Wednesday night. Uh, I, I taught a, a little uh, study to a couple a number of years ago on where would you like to be in five years. I was, my heart was deeply touched. Um, I don't think Allison would mind me mentioning her name, but she brought me a notebook Sunday with three typed pages of where she would like to be in five years. That's what you call thinking ahead. She's come to some realities in her life. There's some hopes and dreams and some plans that she had made that, that may or may not work out. But she's okay with it. 
bottom line, she wants the will of God and to do the will of God and to be whatever it is God wants her to be. That's, and that's her future focus. You say, well, that's kind of broad and general. At her age, no, it's not. As time goes on and as she be- continues to grow in all due respect, age, maybe 20s, mid-20s, whatever, that, that statement is going to start narrowing down more and more and she will eventually get a clear mental image of what God wants her to be in her mind. And for her, knowing her walk with God, it's going to be a preferable future, and she's going to have to stay focused on that future for it to come to pass. Vision concentrates on the future. Do we understand that? Vision doesn't incorporate the past. Vision isn't based on the past. Vision don't think a whole lot about today. It focuses on thinking ahead rather than on dwelling upon or seeking to replicate the past. Vision is not repeating the past. It's improving the past. It's making what you did in the past better tomorrow. There are people today that bemoan the current state of the church yearning for a return to the glory days of the past. Most of those people will never extricate or remove themselves from the lethargy or the downward spiral they are experiencing in relationship to church and what church is, what church has become to them. They're not visionary people. Something wonderful happened to me 25, 30 years ago, however long, And I cannot let go of that event to turn around and pursue another greater event ahead of me. We want to repeat something that happened. Um, It's funny to me that um, those of us who's only been married once, I have no desire of replicating that experience. Don't get ahead of me, Daniel. Okay. What I want to do is take that experience and make it better every day, every day, every day, every day. Y'all not following me here tonight. I feel like I've lost you some kind of way. There's people that give up on their marriage. There's people that can't see their marriage getting better. The reason for that is you're focused on something that happened in the past or your spouse you have a mental image of your spouse being X, Y, Z and not ever anticipating or hoping that anything can change with that person. You can't give up hope and you have to work hard. You do your part and what doing your part does in any relationship you have, including God, if you work it with all of your might, you get to go to bed every night with a clear conscience knowing that I did everything I could do to make it better. And I want Grace Church to, to embrace this vision for us. I love Grace Church. It's a wonderful place. I look forward to being here tonight. I look forward to being here this coming Sunday. I love our music. I love our people. I love the people in the, in the, the production booth. I love the, the lobby people. But I want it better. I want more of it. Amen. I mentioned to you last Wednesday night, and I'll mention it again. Uh, I've... Honestly, I don't mean to be funny. It'll be funny, but I don't mean it to be funny. 
but I've been somewhat envious after, and I've had a conversation with, with Daniel about this recently uh, with their kids. Um, they have five. Uh, Chris and Hannah have five. We, we had two. Uh, there's a part of me that wishes we'd have moved on a little bit. Sister Murphy and I have talked about it over and over. It doesn't mean that when you have one and you love them so much, when you have another one, you have to take love away from this one to love that one. No, the love just grows and it multiplies. And I, I never could understand my mother when I asked her as a child and I remembered I was about five years old and I said, which one of your kids do you love the most? And I was hoping it would have been me. And she grieved me harshly when she said, I love all of you the same. And I, and, and my little childish mind, I couldn't understand it. I never understood it until I had my second one. And then I understood what she said, I can't say that I love Marcus or Casey. I love one more than the other. I know that disappoints Casey a little bit because she keeps trying, you know, to make that happen. But, um, but I, I love them equally. And, and so to look at Daniel and Darren and say, do you love one of your kids more than the other? It's not possible. I'm saying that to our Grace Church people. You don't have to worry about pastor loving you less if our church grows. It'll only make me love you more and it'll make them make me love them more. And then more that comes and, and more that comes. There's anybody, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It doesn't mean it has to stay us for no more. But God multiplies his love. It's shed abroad in our hearts and it goes to everybody. We may end up with some people here eventually one day that you don't even like too much. You may have to fall in love with them again. Who knows? <laughs> but it's a future focus. It's thinking ahead. And I love the glory days of the past. And I have many, 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 many of them. I have come to the conclusion that senior high youth camp will never, ever be again what it was when I went. Camp meeting is not going to be the way it was back in the 70s when I went. Church is not going to be the way it was 10 years ago, 20 years. It can't be. It's not possible. People's minds nowadays are a million miles from that. We, we have to surrender these great events of the past. We can remember them and cherish them, but it, we have to open our mind even if it means changing and thinking ahead that whatever God has for us is going to be amazing. And I think we insult God when we want to cling to an event in the past. And if God don't rep replicate that in my life again, I'm going to be mad at God. We can't do that. The church of tomorrow is going to be as great as the church was yesterday. It may not sound the same. It may not feel the same, but it's still God's church. It's still God's church. It's still God's church. And we have to be willing to think through that and be willing to share our role with someone else. The success in any church or individual is to focus upon God and to be completely committed fully to His vision and to what he will do with you and what he does with the church. What he does. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are on board. I don't feel the freedom to, to move beyond this point even though I'm going to. But you can't cling to church of the past. You offend God when you do that in my opinion. 
what are you saying to God? It's not as good. God is failing. Is God not on top of it like he used to be? Whatever you see the church to be, it is still God's church. He's still moving in it. He's still ministering in it, and it's still growing, and we have to accept that. It's much like Lariah love when Cullen was born. You have to accept that. And then here comes Brosnan, and here comes London, and here comes Leo. That's what they call her. You have to make room for that. But it doesn't mean mom and dad have changed. It doesn't mean they love you less. It doesn't mean that the quality of your family's going downhill. Does anybody hear me tonight? When the church grows and it's different than what it was 20 years ago, it doesn't mean it's going charismatic. It may in some cases, but not every case. It's certainly not applicable here. We want our church to grow. We want a future focus, and we're thinking ahead. Um, let me move on. The next part of this is it's imparted by God. If vision comes to this pulpit imparted by God, God will empower the leadership of this church, the congregation of this church to accomplish it no matter what it is. Case in point, this building you're sitting in right now. It's only a handful, in my opinion, it was only a handful of people that really bore the burden of seeing this purchase through of this building. You take the kids and the teenagers out of it back then, you might have had maybe 30 people of adult people that really moved and transitioned this church from Baker to here. But look what it became. And nobody has loved less because of it. But it's what God wanted. And he empowered us to do it. A vision imparted by God. Vision for your personal spiritual growth is a reflection of what God wants to accomplish through you to build your kingdom. I get it. We, Sister Murphy and I raised two kids, and they don't always want to do the will of their parents. Has any parents here tonight ever experienced that with your children? I've heard some of your kids look you dead in the eye and tell you no. And I think to myself, had I ever did that with my dad, when I came to, I would hop on up and do the will of my father. <laughs> Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about here tonight? When God, when God imparts vision, he gives you the power to accomplish it. But this is what I admire about my parents so much, and I want everybody here to hear me. I'm teaching good tonight. I am. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. My mom and dad never, ever one time asked me to do anything that I was not able to do. When I was five years old, my dad didn't come in and say, I want you to go out and change your oil in the car. He didn't do that. He knew I wasn't up to that task. But when I was 10 years old, he told me to go set the garbage can out on the side of the street. Unfortunately, I had to admit that I was well able to do that, but I sure didn't want to. <clears throat> and you know what I'm talking about. When God gives you vision, no matter how you interpret it, no matter how you look at it, he's not going to give you vision without knowing he can empower you to do it. And I've heard people quake. I have on occasions. <laughs> when we left to go into ministry, full-time ministry, driving a little, I think it was a little Dodge or Plymouth minivan. When we was 25, 26 years old, I had one two-week revival in New Bedford, Massachusetts. It took me three days of driving to get to that place. And I was scared. I was nervous. 
But I was confident that if God has called me to this, he's going to empower me to do it. And he did, and the rest is history. So God conveys his view of your future to you. And there's people here tonight that they, you, you've told me, you, you shared with me moments of regret where God moved on you to do things and God urged you to do things and, and you threw up a, a stop sign that, no, I, I'd rather not do that and you've lived with regret. I want to encourage our young people especially, don't ever, ever, ever say no to God, no matter how outlandish or ridiculous or whatever the, the thing that God is showing you, no matter what it is, God will give you the ability to do it. He's not going to ask you to do something that's beyond the realm of possibility. So rather than rely upon the abilities of humans to concoct a view of and to plan for a God-imparted future, God takes care of that. So the future of the church and the people that God has placed on the earth are simply too important to him to allow people to lean on their own innate abilities and talents to develop man-made schemes for reaching the world. I can't imagine how overwhelming it, it could have been for the 12 disciples to meet Jesus on the Mount of Olives when he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. How in the world are we going to do that? But he made it happen. He made a way for that to happen. He did. And God can do that when the, envision, when the vision is imparted by God. So while he allows us ample latitude and creativity to articulate, disseminate, and implement the vision, make no mistake about it, the vision comes from God. Ask Simon Peter about his conversation with God in Acts chapter 10 when he had a dream of a sheep being let down out of heaven full of all manner of unclean beasts and God told him to get up and eat. Peter rightly said in my translation of that, that is strictly against my religion. But when God is telling you to exceed the concepts and principles of old, outdated, no longer applicable religious ideas. I'm sorry, did I just say something that kind of rubbed a little bit? I'm not talking about compromising our message. But we want, we want to live in our traditional worlds. We want to live in our traditional and use our traditional methods. God had a whole new world for Peter. When he got up and saw the man standing at the gate, that man turned our world on its ear. And we're still living in the revival of Cornelius to this day. Amen. <clears throat> Let me rush to conclude this tonight. I want you to understand the requirements of vision. If you want to be a visionary, I want to give you a few requirements. Vision reflects a realistic perspective. It reflects a realistic perspective. I've heard people say that vision is dreaming the impossible dream. No, it's not. God don't let you dream an impossible dream that's not possible to ever come to pass. That's counterproductive to me. But God will let you dream the most possible dream. So vision stretches our ability, including our ability to dream, but it is not pie-in-the-sky daydreaming. Vision entails a great depth of understanding. It's detailed knowledge of facts and potential. It's not a wild-eyed scheme born in a vacuum. Rather, it is a notion of what could occur and is deeply rooted in reality. 
So first and foremost, understanding the requirements is necess necessary to have a comprehending of God, a comprehension of God, excuse me. And the definition of vision, God is listed first among the sources of insight and among those realities that we must seek to fully comprehend him. You seek God. You seek first the kingdom. Not your desires, not your wants, not your wishes. You, you seek first the kingdom. So we are striving to capture an understanding of his will for our church based on his perspective. He is first and foremost in the vision process. So it is necessary to have some comprehension of God. Number two, it is necessary to say, know thyself. Look at your neighbor, and, and not real loud, but kind of loud, passionate, kind of like pastor gets once in a while. Look at your neighbor and say, know thyself. It's necessary that you know who you are. I thought about it. I thought about it this afternoon in preparation for this. <laughs> I mean, I could dream I was Mike Tyson from now until the cows come home, but I ain't no Mike Tyson. I'm no Michael Jordan. I'm no Larry Bird. You can go right down the list of all these people. Uh, I'm no Willie Nelson. I'm no Glenn Campbell. I'm not any of those people. I don't have the notoriety. I don't have the talent. I don't have the skill. But I'll tell you what. I can be as much or more mighty in the kingdom of God than anybody as long as I have a comprehension of God and I know who I am. And success in the kingdom is not measured by man's standards. It's measured by kingdom standards. So you've got to know yourself. So in developing vision, you must know your own abilities. You must know your own gifts. We help you with that at Grace Church when you go through Grace Steps. You have to know your limitations. You have to know your values. You have to know your desires. And it's important for you to know your personality. I think it's okay to understand that you might be a little shy it might be important to understand that you are harsh it might be important to understand that you can be real loud understand your personality understand how aggressive you are or not don't try to be talk to someone recently that said i've tried to be someone else literally made that statement i tried to be someone else god didn't call you to be somebody else he called you to be you and you work in the arena of who you are. And that's why it's necessary for you to know yourself. Vision is not an exercise in promoting yourself. Vision is not an exercise in, 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 in promoting your, your dreams or your needs. Vision involves integrating your personal abilities and limitations within God's plan to accomplish what needs to be done and how it can be accomplished through you, his chosen person. I'm not Brother David Bernard. I'm not Brother Daryl Weber. I'm, I'm not those people. I've had that conversation with myself numerous times. I don't aspire to be the general superintendent. I don't aspire to be the district superintendent. I don't aspire to be the next board member of Section 2. I have no desires for that. What I want to do is work and function to the very best of my ability and the parameters of the vision that God has given me. And that's what I do. And I do it with all of my heart. I do it to the very best of my ability because I know myself. So I'm not going to strive to be like somebody else. I want to strive to be like him and be what he's called me to be. Is everybody on board? 
Number three, and I'm wrapping this up, it's necessary for you to understand your circumstances. I'd like to use this as an example here tonight. Uh, <clears throat> Heather Tear, Castile now. Um, I think her name is still Heather Tear, and his name has become Daniel Tear. That's what I hear all the time. It's Daniel Tear. Um, I think somebody said they even have his contact in their phone as Daniel Tear. Something happened. Something went backwards in that, that marriage thing. But she has been uh, an aimer, uh, an associate in missions where she's been overseas. Um, has, has been phenomenal. Has done that a couple of times. Her circumstances now are totally different than what they were when she did that. So to be an aimer now, God understands that she's married. Now, if God calls her to do that, I would would feel very confident that God would talk to Daniel about that. Maybe they could go together. Maybe he'd be okay with her leaving for three months. He might be actually kind of happy about it. I don't know. Uh, no, he's shaking his head. No, he's not saying nothing. He's just shaking his head. So there's no audio that Heather could listen to later, right? Uh, I'm trying to throw a little lightheartedness in this. But she would have to understand her circumstances at this point. Everybody has to understand your circumstances. You may be anchored some way or another to a circumstance. God can work around that. Ask the four lepers in the Old Testament. They had no hope, no chance of ever doing anything for God until everybody was starving to death and they were the only ones willing to do anything for God. And what they ultimately agreed to do was stupid according to anybody else's standards. But they just marched right into the Syrian camp. And when they got there, everybody was gone. God caused them, the Syrian army, to hear a sound, and they thought another army was attacking, and they all ran. So circumstances are not, you're not locked in when it comes to vision. You're not locked in like you may think you are. God can use you no matter what your circumstances are. It's just necessary for you to understand them. Dreams shun reality, but vision learns how to build on reality. God's vision for any church is sensitive to the operational environment he has called us to influence. He will not limit our potential by suggesting that future reality cannot grow beyond past or present reality. He is a God of consistency and order, not a God of chaos and confusion. So we must have a firm grip on existing and potential needs. Existing and potential opportunities. Existing and potential personal ability. If you wish to absorb his vision for our church and his vision for your life. And using this definition, you recognize that it is a process of applied, pragmatic imagination. And I don't believe there's a person in this building right now that God is done with. Y'all stand with me tonight. I don't believe he's done with anybody. I don't believe he's, he's kicked anybody aside, just set you aside and said, I can't use you anymore. I don't believe that. Vision is an articulated intention to do something significant and unique, creating a new reality that improves upon that which exists today. A new world ordained by God for his people to bring to life. So in conclusion tonight, media people I'm skipping all the way to the very end 
you'll see the word visioneering. You can put that on the screen. Thank you. Visioneering is the course. Being a visioneer. Visioneering is the course one follows to make dreams a reality. It is a process whereby ideas and convictions take on substance. That's what vision is. If I were to boil vision down to a formula, it would look something like what you're seeing on the screen. To be a visionary, to be a visioneer. It's inspiration plus conviction plus action plus determination plus completion. You follow it through. Good or bad, sink or swim, you follow it through. And just because you've had negative circumstances in your past, your recent past or distant past, I don't see anybody here tonight that God has cast aside and has said, I can't use you. We just have to pursue it. Pursue it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek his vision. And there's people here tonight that are living out remarkable vision for your life. There's people here tonight, you've told me, that you're living in a place right now, especially in your marriage and your relationship with God, you never thought you'd ever be. Someone told me recently, I never dreamed my spouse would be in church with me because I tried and tried and tried. Their spouse is here tonight, and it's here at virtually every service here at Grace Church. It can happen. God can do these things. We have to set our will aside and let the will of God be done in our life. Could we all pray together right now and ask God to please help us be the people in the church that he wants us to be? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you tonight. I'm so thankful for this amazing group of people, this wonderful group of people. We've had some fun here tonight. We've had some laughter. But more than that, we've heard the word of God. We've heard the voice of God tonight. Challenge us. God, I say that in all due respect. I say it with all of my heart. Challenge us. Throw ahead of us an opportunity. Put in front of us some opportunity. Let us open the door to opportunity. Let us open our minds up, our hearts to it to let you work in our lives more than you ever have. We don't want to just live from day to day and without planning, without focus, without determination, without knowing where we're going. Give every person here tonight, every family here tonight, purpose, value, and vision for a preferable future, things that we desire, things that you desire through us. Help us to live that out and to bring it to pass according to your power, your might, and your abilities. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. God bless you. God bless you dearly. God bless you richly tonight. Thank you for being here. Have some fun and fellowship before you leave. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you Sunday morning.